If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the show. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and let me know um, your child's uh, age and how far they are from diagnosis and then what brings you here? Yeah, thanks. I'm really happy to talk to you uh, tonight for me. Uh, so my name is Bree. My uh, daughter's name is Zora. She's three and a half years old. She'll be four in December. So she's a little older than that. But um, three and she quarters. <laughs> yeah, so feels weird to get that specific, but it seems like it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was diagnosed in January 2023. So we're just under a year out mm-hmm. from diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I guess that time frame is actually really relevant for us. Um, so I am our whole family, my husband, um, Zora and I, um, moved for my job to a place that is far from my nuclear family who I'm really close with. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my job, uh, and I kind of love where we live. Um, but this diagnosis like really rocked us. Um, didn't see that coming at all. And, um, what we're trying to gauge right now um, is like what our new future looks like. And um, I feel like we're on kind of a different trajectory than we thought we were going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, not really a future planner, but this definitely wasn't something I saw. Anyway, um, so the question that I have is how diabetes changes kind of over time. And in in what ways, if any, does it get easier than mm-hmm. the first year? Um, and I, I wrote this recognizing that you can't predict the future, but you also been down this road and talked to a lot of people who have been down this road before. Mm-hmm. And I know that our relationship to diabetes will change. And so will Zora's, um, but we're considering, um, kind of uprooting our lives again to be, to move, to be closer to my nuclear family, um, to just get a little bit more support. Because um, right now it's really pretty lonely. Um, mm-hmm. Just being in a new place, um, you know, not having an extensive network and really feeling like we're navigating a lot of this by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just trying to figure out like how much more upheaval we put ourselves through in the interest of like making it somehow more sustainable for us moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's such a profoundly good question. I'm so glad you came on to ask it. And you're right. I don't have a crystal ball, sadly, Um, but we can think it through. And and yes, I've had my experience and I've also had um, watched other people's experience. So the the short answer of what I want to say is that I really think of the first year after diagnosis as the hardest time, right? And I know you're kind of approaching the end of the first year, but um, 
there's a reason why I have two introductory courses, right? And that one of them after diagnosis is specifically only for people in the first year, because I found, frankly, when I put folks in their first year into my other course, they couldn't do it. It was too much material. They needed a different kind of holding. And you're in a period where you're exceptionally anxious. That changes. Um, and it doesn't mean you're not anxious. It means you're not exceptionally anxious. And, and that is actually a big difference. I, and, and part of what I want to name is you have a very young child. And so she doesn't, she's not, you know, maybe there's a difference between seven, you know, three and three quarters and, um, you know, and three, and there is, but I actually believe that children aren't human till they're four you know, because that's when <laughs> they can be in a booster seat instead of a car seat. That's when you've lost, you've probably, they're fully potty trained. You don't have to travel with diapers at night. You don't have bottles anymore, right? They know how to sit on an airplane. They like, they know how to do a lot of things at four. So you're not even, you, you have like a very small person and that part will stay kind of anxiety provoking. I'm going to say for a while, like transitioning into kindergarten, this kind of thing. But that first year is a doozy. And, and I really think of it as being like, when you first have a baby, it takes a full year until you feel like, I don't know, that was my experience three times over a full year till you feel like, oh, right. I know what's going on here. I know who this person is. I know what I'm supposed to do. Things feel a little better regulated. And I feel like it's the same with diabetes. Yeah. So yeah. let me stop there and see what you think of that. Cause I do have other thoughts too, but let me stop there. No, it, and I've actually been thinking about that relationship between like having a, it's like, we've had diabetes as a child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. And, but I was also thinking about, you know, Zora's childhood is really framed by the pandemic too. So, mm -hmm. you know, this prof, you know, I don't know if you called it profound anxiety, but that'd be another way to talk about it. Um, we had her and then we had a pandemic mm -hmm. and then we had diabetes mm -hmm. and it's like, we've had these series of, um, children, mm -hmm. um, that are difficult to manage. Um, and so I, I, do kind of feel like the stressors just pile upon each other. But yeah, uh, we are in a compounding situation where we have a young person with yeah. a really recent diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm a little of two minds. There's something about the way you just said that last bit and how, how you looked as you said it, right? There's something kind of poignant about it, about this sort of compounding troubled children that you've had, not that Zora herself is troubled, but having a child yeah. is hard, right? Let's face it. And your first child, frankly, is the hardest because you're going from zero to everything, right? If you ever choose to have another child, you'll see you're not as anxious, right? You're just not, you know how to cut their fingernails, you know, when they cry, if you don't get there right at that second, they're going to be fine, right? It changes. Yeah. Um, and, and in that exact way, diabetes changes too. So I'm of, I have two separate tracks in my mind. One is don't make any decisions until you're a little further down the road, right? So you can yeah. see what kind of help you really need, right? If you're happy where you are, right? And the other track is I can see how much, and I have more thoughts on that track, but I can see how hard it's been on you. And if you're feeling like it's going to be significantly easier for you, to be near your nuclear family where you can get scooped up and held. And that's real too, because sometimes we have fantasies about the ways our family will show up for us. But if that's real, and it sounds like it could be, then that's important to consider. If that lifts something for you, 
that, you know, I don't know, it's a little bit of if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And so if it's too much for you, that's something, and I don't mean too much, like you can't handle it. Something's no, wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, like you've had a lot. And so if it feels like, yep, I need more support, that's a real thing that you should pay attention to. So I have those two opposing thoughts. Yeah. And it's funny. Those are the two opposing thoughts I have too, which is like, sit tight. Like now's maybe not a time to make big life choices. Um, because some choices have just been made for us that we can't really control. I do think that the support is real. Um, should we, should we move my, um, and it's like, I'm, I'm a little more nostalgic right now because my sister just left after being here for a few days. And my mom was at diabetes camp, family mm-hmm. camp with us. Um, so she flew out here for two days of diabetes camp. Um, and I can just, I, part of me can like see what could be possible if we were closer and I could, I can almost see like what it could be like if, um, if they had more exposure to it and more time with, with Zora and with diabetes, because right now they're very comfortable with Zora that her diabetes makes them nervous as it made us when she was newly diagnosed and frankly, it still makes me, but, um, that it just kind of makes me sad to see how um, how uncomfortable they are with it sometimes, and they want they want to be more comfortable. It's just it's it's hard to learn diabetes when you get a few days every few months. Um, you know, it's just not enough time mm-hmm. to get to know it. <laughs> yeah, and that's very real. And if they're that, I mean, your mother sounds so committed. That's lovely to fly out for diabetes camp. Yeah, right. So it sounds like she's willing to try to overcome her discomfort. Um, And that's important to know, right? Because I I have heard so many stories of parents, uh, like the grandmothers who can't show up, who are too anxious and can't do it. And so I would hate for you to uproot your life to find that, oh, your very loving and well-intentioned mother actually can't um, step into the role of being a caregiver because she's too anxious but it sounds yeah. like that's probably not the case. And so that's important to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess we don't know anything for certain, but it does feel like there's this promise of like, just more hands, you know, more heads, like more like people to spread it out among, because right now just sharing it with my husband, like it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's too much for two people. It feels like, you know, um, and it never stops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just keeps existing. So that's, that is true. And I think on the other track, what I want to challenge you to think about is, you know, you're not going to pack up and move tomorrow. That's I'm sure of. I'm looking at your house. There are no boxes, right? (laughs) So, so in the meantime, what could be really important is how do you lean into the community you need to have to build that so that it's not just two people so you have more hands, right? How do you do that for yourself in this new place? That is a tall order, Bree. I'm not yeah. saying that's easy, but but to give, you know, if you love where you are and you love your job and there's a lot there to love. And I also don't have no idea how your husband feels about moving just to be near in-laws. Like sometimes a partner doesn't feel as rosy about it as you might, right? It's just yeah. a thought. He's actually um, super supportive of it. Good. Yeah. Okay. Like, great. 
Sounds good. <laughs> good. Okay. So he's super flexible and that's mm-hmm. wonderful and feels good about your family, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, and there are things it sounds like you love where you are. So can you lean in? We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat, but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type 1, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course, a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid in having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at DiabetesSweetTalk.com. you went to diabetes camp are there people there who live near you can you have a potluck with them can you start to I'm serious work hard right (laughs) that was like my scheme that was my Uh diabetes camp scheme I went in my mom and my aunt went you know they live both very far away Mm -hmm. came to diabetes camp um it was a real a real time that we had um and I, I said to them as we were walking into diabetes camp, I was like, my only goal here is to make adult friends. Like Zora does not, you know, I want, I wanted her to see other people with diabetes and like, this, this is totally fine. Look at all these, I, you know, every kid, I was like, look at, they're wearing a CGM too. Look at, they have a pump on, look at their cool sticker, you know? But I was like, just like kind of beelining for all the, all the adults, like, Hey, where do you live? What do you, mm-hmm. you know? So I was, I was really trying hard to like construct an artificial diabetes community. And unfortunately the closest diabetes camp to us is still not so close. And so we met lots of lovely people who live really far from us, um, who I can email, which is great. Super great. I just miss that. Like, I don't know. I don't miss it because I've never had it, but, um, just being able to like see another person and like talk to them in, in the same way that, um, I passed another parent diabetes camp after, uh, we'd had a kind of a traumatic CGM change and they were like, are you okay? And I said, oh, bad CGM change. And they're like, ah, oh, got it. And it was just like, you know, like I want that, but like in my regular mm-hmm. life where I live instead of this, like once a year thing. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how to construct that. I'm going to answer with the practical piece, but that really doesn't address some of this. There are some ways you might be able to, um, you know, I would reach out. I don't know where you live, but I would reach out to the local JDRF to see if they know of people because they often will connect you. Um, and I would also lean into local, other kinds of local communities. Like if you were in an, an elementary school already, I would say find out who's there. But I would just get kind of weird and ask everyone, like, who do you know who lives near here just to make the connection? And actually, one of the best things you could do, honestly, was find a teenager with type one who could be your mother's helper slash babysitter, right? Because they know it without having you to have, you don't have to interpret anything for them. You don't have to train them, right? And they're, it's good for both sides, right? Teenagers who babysit other kids with type one sort of step up their own diabetes game, which is not your goal necessarily, but you know, but they, it's good for them. And, and therefore it's even better for your daughter. Right. Yeah. Um, So, but that's, you know, 
I have to say, I live very far from my family of origin. We have no family where we live. I have two kids with type one. Fortunately, we had an amazing babysitter, but I didn't have, I I know what you're talking about, right? I know what it's like to feel like you're it all the time. Um, And it is burdensome. And you, it sounds like you have a way out, but I want to encourage you until, or until you actually consider taking that, that path to see what you can do there. I also know that it, a lot of things will get easier. Now it's going to stay relatively hard because she's young, but what will get easier is your sense of panic at every number that's out of range. You'll get more used to the fact that that's the reality, sadly, with diabetes. There are some people out there who would say it doesn't have to be. I don't believe that's so. I think it's just real that it's up and down. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Not every number is perfect. You just course correct, and you, but you get calmer about that. Um, so those kinds of things get easier kind of, uh, organically. Yeah. 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 I mean, that makes sense to me. The things you um, mentioned are, so I'm a college professor mm-hmm. and, um, I have really good advice from a colleague who's like, why don't you reach out to our wellness center and just say like, Hey, can you just give my name to the type one students on campus and see if anyone wants to babysit? And, um, like medium worked, like there were students who were interested, but we lived just like a little too far for students without a car. And so it was like, okay, well, maybe we can try again next year when we get new students. I just feel like at every turn, I've been like, Hey, me, I want to build a community. Hello, everyone. And like to JDR, if they were like, Oh, we'll connect you with a, 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 I don't know if they called it a mentor or like mm-hmm. a buddy or something. And my buddy didn't show up, like not to a, a thing, but like they just never responded. It's like, okay, like let's try the next thing. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like I can only like cheerfully like try and build community yeah. for so long before I'm just like, okay, you know who's really going to be there though? Like the people that I'm related to that kind of have to show up for me. Cause I just feel like exhausted with all these like efforts. It's so hard to yeah. just keep trying, trying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing that. Yeah, it sounds like you've really been super creative and super um, persistent in lots of ways. And you're just not getting the the payback. Um, yeah. And I and also it, think that takes time too, sadly, right? Well, like, I think, yeah, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I think you're probably like, probably just should sit with that too. And like, it feels really urgent to me right now, but... Mm-hmm a lot of these things maybe just take time. They do take time. And I remember, you know, one family that we're still very close to, it took two or three years at diabetes camp for me to come out of my fog enough to notice them, you Mm -hmm. know, wanting to be friends with me. Like I just didn't, I hadn't even noticed, honestly. Um, I was just so fogged in. And part of that was because I had a baby and a new diagnosis at the same time. Um, But uh yeah, it can take time and it's painful, right? It's painful and that's real. And I can see how painful it is for you. And there's such an incredible need for you to get more support. And so the question becomes, how do you get more support while you're making this decision? Is there some way? Because I know that what that the sense of urgency around the diabetes will have some shift. I'm not saying it's going to get incredibly easy. I think you'll just feel more comfortable in your diabetes seat as it were. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, th I think you're right. And it's like, maybe it's like, just keep, keep putting feelers out, right? And um, I mean, right after diagnosis, I feel like we really turned inward, right? It was like, we kind of have to like huddle up and like really see what we can do amongst us. And we're only just now maybe beginning to like poke our heads out and say like, okay, well, what happens next? And for me, like whatever happens next, it can't just be us. And so that's why I've been doing all these like, okay, who could we draw in here? Who could help us here? And um, it's, it's not like we have no one. Like I have a cousin who's a nutritionist who doesn't, She's never managed type one, but unfortunately, because of the kind of work she does, she works a lot with folks who have eating disorders, which mm -hmm. means that she has encountered a lot of folks with type one. Mm -hmm. So she was able to watch Zora once and, you know, that house didn't burn down with, you know, all that stuff. Um, but it just doesn't feel like, um, like durable in some way, or like, you know, like it doesn't it doesn't feel like enough. Like it was really good and helpful, mm -hmm. but like the thing that I'm looking for, I think is like a little more permanent, like something I can lean on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know how to better describe it than that. You're um, describing it quite well. I just don't think there's an easy answer for how to build it quickly. Yeah. Right. And I think, and no wonder you're longing for your family because they're willing to be leaned on um, and to, and they're, you know, and so the growth edge is just them, uh, learning diabetes better than they know it now. And you have confidence that they will. So it makes a lot of sense that you're toying with that and that it feels like a solution to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think it would, you know, COVID kind of put that into my brain, like, oh, it would be good to be closer to family. Wouldn't it? Like, it's hard to have a newborn and um, not be able to see anyone. And then we got through that and we're like, okay, well, you know, out of the hard part. And then um, this, it kind of like reignited this idea of, yeah, it's helpful to have a network. I, I kind of imagine though, this is like wishful thinking, but if we talk about like the first year after diagnosis, it almost feels like, okay, well, right when you reach that year mark, a switch flips <laughs> and suddenly you're like, okay, I'm calm. I'm relaxed. We've got this under control. And I know that's not how it works, but the way we discuss it almost seems like something really important happens after you've lived with this for a year. And I can feel it getting easier in some ways, right? Like the things that made us panic early on don't make us panic anymore. Yep. And that's helpful. Uh, but it doesn't ease that like day-to-day -day grind. Like, and I'm wondering if, if that changes because mm -hmm. that's what, like the, where the support would be so helpful just like being able to take a breath yeah I don't think that changes so much the sense yeah. that the things you panicked about earlier are not things you panic about now your um streamlining of the process so at the beginning of the school year you know exactly what you need to do so you, and you feel confident you start to feel more confident doing the advocacy that it takes to do it Right. Those kinds of things get smoother. Like you, you know that you have to start planning for camp in January because you have to call every director and say, are you willing to do this? Can I train you? Right. That stuff gets smoother, but it's still quite a lot for a long time. Um, you know, I'd say until mid-teens, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, for some parents, it's a little less than that. For some, it's a little more. I think that there's no 
solution to that other than to have people in your life who are really well-trained, who you feel safe leaving your daughter with. And that's essentially what it sounds like here is a babysitter, which is fine. You can maybe find a babysitter who is adorable, but that's harder to find than, you know, a mother. Yeah. Yeah. And a sister, like my sister's 18 months older than me. And like, she would do anything for Zora, right? Like anything. And she has done, you know, when we left the hospital, she was like, so when are they going to test her A1C? I was reading about it. And like, this is going to happen. And that was going to happen. I was like, I don't even know what an A1C is, (laughs) you know? And she's like, she had watched all the videos from the hospital website before I watched them. Cause I was just like in a daze, like they're, they just seem so ready to pick it up and like, I'm ready for them to pick it up too. So what would be, what would be the cost of going? It sounds it's, I mean, right there, you gave me your answer. So yeah. what, what's keeping you there? So I, um, I'm a college professor and the academic job market is, um, tricky. Um, and it's hard. I, I don't think I could go there and not do what I worked so hard to do, which is do research and teaching. And, um, yeah, it's hard to think about leaving a job that for every intent and purpose is amazing. It's like, it feels like I won the career lottery. Mm-hmm. at my job. And it's really, really hard to think about giving that up you, as ridiculous as it sounds, right? Like no, it doesn't. described all the ways that it would be so helpful to live um, near my family. And I'm like convincing them to move here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not working. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really just me. I am both the one who wants to go and the one who really wants to stay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a real internal battle. Yeah. And, and those things all feel real, right? Like we need work that we feel impassioned about, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, it can be parenting, right? But you yeah. have a professional career that you feel really impassioned about and get a lot of joy from. And to give that up for your child's diabetes could well make you feel quite resentful, right? That's something to pay attention to or could yeah. lead to some period of dissatisfaction or unhappiness. I'm not predicting that or wishing that. I'm just saying that like you have something amazing for yourself. It's hard to want to toss that away, um, especially for something that you dislike so much, frankly, because who likes diabetes? Um, well, yeah. And you know, and your family provides you with so much support. It's pretty magical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it feels like all the components are there. They're just all in the wrong places, which is frustrating. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, such a commentary on our modern world, right? We have such a hard, you know, it's like hard sets of choices. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is that it gets easier. Um, but the ways in which it gets easier are um, not necessarily the things that I've named that are what I want the most help with. The break. No, that doesn't get easier. I mean, it, I don't know if Sora's in preschool. Is she? she is, yeah. Uh-huh. Would any of her preschool teachers be willing to babysit? That's not the sense that I get. Um, she's at a like a, a Montessori school that we found, and they're doing a great job managing her diabetes. But um, I don't get a sense that there's that interest or availability from them. What you need is a grandma, right? You need somebody to lean into 
who's sharp enough, you need a young grandma who's sharp enough to learn what needs to be learned, who cares enough about the well-being of your baby, right? And who can help you just feel calmer at home and give you a chance to breathe, right? You're not gonna, even if you move home to be near your family, nobody's gonna track the CGM but you and your husband. Like that is very likely. It could, could I see a scenario where maybe it's different? Sure, maybe, but likely that's not, you know, you're still gonna be on tap. But what you're imagining is somebody else who could pick Nora or Zora, sorry, up from school, somebody else who could have her, you know, on a Saturday afternoon for an hour, somebody who could be here and you could take a nap without taking, without worrying, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. Or like go to the hardware store. Like mm -hmm. if we both need to pick out a paint color mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Zora's really good at picking out paint, but she does it unfortunately by the, anyway, it's not as helpful to go with her. But yeah, I mean, and what you're describing is my mom, right? <laughs> like, that's exactly who it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just haven't found any other mom but my mom. <laughs> yeah, because it's a special relationship that you have. Yeah. Right. So finding a babysitter or someone, to, a nursing student who needs housing, these kinds of things, you know, like I said, it sounds like you're not packing your boxes right now. No. So until you make that decision, I, and I know it sounds like you're working very, very hard to find community, but it does feel like what you're wanting is someone to lean into who's more like a babysitter who, who sort of belongs to you. And that's a little tricky if your daughter's in daycare to um, hire someone for enough hours, but it feels to me like if the financial resources are there to do some kind of housing trade, if you have space might help. Yeah. Yeah. And we've like, we've used like couple different lists like we've gone on yeah care to and trying to find people that have any experience with type one and we're just like we're like it feels like we're in a diabetes desert mm -hmm. which is good that's a great place to be mm -hmm. um except when you need to find other people i think um the other thing i want to say to you brie is you don't need to find someone who's had experience with type one to to be able if you have someone who's willing to learn um, and I've hired a lot of babysitters who knew nothing. Really? Um, oh yeah. And I just trained them up and I, you know, I really have a stance of you really kind of can't make a non-correctable mistake unless you give too much insulin, right? That's the only mistake that's really like that ah, don't do it. Right. Yeah. And, and so you just, um, you are encouraging and you are generous, right? You assume numbers might be a little off. You want them to be a teeny bit anxious, but not too anxious. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've hired a number of people as babysitters, um, and, and I've been able to train them and feel safe leaving my kids with them. Yeah. We just had this, we did have this one moment. So we just had like this cascade of crises, um, just like a lot of health stuff and Zora was at a different preschool and it just shut down. They said tomorrow, oh. starting tomorrow, there'll be no more preschool. Oh, that's um, And, uh, and so in that like moment of crisis, one of the students, uh, type one students on my campus did say like, um, I can, I can watch her while you teach. And it, she, so the student, um, was watching Zora on campus while I was teaching a class at like eight 30 in the morning, um, which was very silly, but the student had type one and Zora's blood sugars were high. I think she'd had like waffles for breakfast. And the student was like, you know, 
Zora said she was thirsty. She really wanted water. And that was when her numbers were peaking. And like, I just noticed, you know, all these different things. And like, that's how I feel when I'm high. And it was just like this, like this level of understanding connection that I just, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is like, I just, like she was helping Zora understand her feelings by like talking her through how she felt when she was going high. And it was just like, it's like, I want that for Zora. <laughs> I want that for me, but I want it for Zora too. And I, maybe it's just like chasing something that is clearly not obtainable right now for, for us. But like that one exchange that we had, like it, it really only happened one time. It was just so, it was like very profound. It felt like mm-hmm. very I don't know. It, just, it was just very nice. Mm-hmm. And that is very nice. And and I want to name breathe that that's outside of what um, that's different than what you've been talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You've been talking about someone to lean into so that you feel supported. So you and your husband can pick out a paint color without your daughter to have somebody explain to your daughter her own experience that can come at many points on her diabetes journey. I think that's a lovely thing for her to have, but not a strictly necessary thing for her to have. And I am hearing you floundering around. And I think right now we need to help you, right? Like Zora's fine. <laughs> Zora she will be fine. fine. She's doing great. She's doing yeah. absolutely great. Yeah. yeah. She's fine. Well, and it, yeah, it, it's tricky too, because right. When you start saying like, what kind of support do I need? It's like, oh, well, this, that, and the other I could do, I could do with a lot of help. Yeah, I, I think that you don't have to stop, but I think that there's no easy answer here. That's the dilemma you're facing. And the question is how to get some of what you're hoping for, because it's a lot and it is a lot for two people. It's very, very stressful. Yeah, it is. How does this conversation feel? I mean, I don't have any magic for you, sadly, but I wonder how it feels to think it out together. No, I, I think it's it's really helpful to to talk to you about it. I, I think it helps me articulate some of the, what I, what I see as the push and pull for me in, in trying to make this choice. Um, it, it's helpful just to um, hear that both feel valid, <laughs> that it is actually a difficult thing to, um, to make a choice around that that is helpful um and and I think maybe like the next step for me is really just like trying to give myself a little bit of space to um let maybe give that community here a little bit more time to develop Mm -hmm. while I continue to think about this other option um because it doesn't take zero seconds to Mm -hmm. pack up and move across the country no not at all yeah, I really appreciate you thinking, thinking this through with me. It's Yeah, you're quite welcome. I mean, what I'm thinking is that there's there's no right answer here and there's no wrong answer here, right? There are there are there are sillier things to do than move to live near one's family, right? And yeah. there are sillier things to do than stay for a job that you love. Right? Those yeah. are both real things that can call to people. And you're right, everything. If you could magically like shibumi it all into the right places, that would be lovely. And maybe you just be on the lookout for the job you want that's closer to where your family is. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, very. I think in the meantime, amid all the um, difficulty, like thinking this through, 
for some reason, the only thing I can put my energy into is um, raising money for the one walk, the JDRF one walk. I'm like, right. We'll just cure diabetes in the meantime. And I won't have to make this. <laughs> that would be nice, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you could hope. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on to help think this through. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your, um, your thoughts on it. You are so welcome. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.